Aujourd'hui, c'est une opportunité pour écouter les voix de les gens qui euh, luttaient contre les déportations et spécifiquement pour les statuts dans les contextes de les communautés guinéennes ici à Montréal. Today is an opportunity to listen to the voices of some members of an action committee of Ghanaian refugees that have been struggling for status and against deportation here in the city. It's also an opportunity to think a little bit about um, the ways that this struggle has happened now for over five years, even longer, um, and is a campaign that began before the pandemic, but actually went through the pandemic and now continues in this moment of time. And I think it's really important um, to think about a number of intersections today. So I wanted to just thank our uh, collaborators today, including the Raw Media and Migration Lab here at Concordia, Amandla Radio, uh, which is a weekly broadcast on CKUT, of course, CKUT 90.3 FM, Campus Community Radio, People Powered Radio, the Immigrant Workers Center uh, in Côte d'Ange, shout out, uh, Solidarity Cross Borders, uh, Solidarity Sans Frontières, and of course, the Social Justice Center here at Concordia. So, merci pour tous les partenaires uh, qui participent dans cet petit événement aujourd'hui. Moi, je, euh, moi, juste dis quelque chose. Euh, dans les salles aujourd'hui, vous êtes voir euh, quelques photos aussi dans les projecteurs. Euh, c'est les photos euh, qui, c'est les, les pièces d'une exhibition qui euh, tournait dans les villes, dans les centres travers immigrants et aussi à Casa del Popolo. Uh, C'est une exhibition qui um, utilisait les photographes et les convergences, les points qui, dans le contexte de la campagne de Leguignan, pour inviter les gens pour appuyer. These are photos that were taken in the context of campaign events uh, that took place as part of the Ghanaian campaign. So you can see there's three photographers that documented. There's Neil Rockwell, uh, Philip St. Cyr, and Darren L. And so uh, these are photographs that were exhibited in the Immigrant Workers Center for over two years <laughs> to, due to the pandemic, I think mostly, but uh, they were also up at Casa del Popolo. Uh, so these are gonna be uh, put into the archive that Bengi mentioned, which we're working on here. Um, this is an event to think about the connections between the past and the present. Um, so I think often in university spaces, when we talk about like struggles, struggles for regularization or campaigns of social movements, we often talk about them in the past, but this is an opportunity to think about what's happening now. And that's why uh, we organize this event, is to connect past organizing, pre-pandemic, during the pandemic with what's happening now. So I'm gonna share a few images. This is a press conference that we worked on uh, during the context of the pandemic with the Immigrant Workers Center. Shout out to Mustafa, who's here in the audience. Um, this was tr to try to draw attention to um, the situation of non-status workers, which included many Ghanaian workers um, and West African workers in general. And I think this, um, effort, and this was particularly an effort where uh, I worked with the Immigrate, Immigrant Workers Center to mobilize artists to make a statement uh, to draw attention to this crisis point during the pandemic, 
where you know Dollarama was basically not providing protective equipment, was deeply underpaying laborers, exploiting people. And this was an opportunity to try to mobilize artists, but also it's, it was an, it's a very important example of the ways that corporate workplace injustice intersects with immigration issues because people who are working in these warehouses are often facing uh, you know, deep structural injustice in terms of status. Um, so these are photos from that campaign and the mobilizations that happened outside of the Dollarama uh, warehouse. So of course there was like quite a long campaign that took place in this context and a lot of art that was created. This is one of the campaign posters that was made in that context. Um, and this was wheat pasted throughout the city uh, by myself and others on Dollaramas <laughs> and also uh, in other spots in the city. And uh, in this poster, you can see the connection between status for all and the work conditions, right? And this is sort of one of the, the things that we're trying to highlight today is um, this connection between the status for all movement and struggles for workplace justice. This is the letter that we published at the time. Um, there was uh, over a hundred artists signed this letter and it was actually sort of coming out of a lot of conversations about how to get the media to take the issue seriously. And what we found um, at the beginning was a lot of uh, challenge for the media to actually take the issue seriously. They weren't really paying attention to the fact that Dollarama was exploiting workers, underpaying workers, and working with a lot of non-status people. So this was one attempt of many, and there was many, to sort of intervene in the media landscape. And we tried to mobilize artists specifically to try to um, crack some openings to sort of think about, oh, well, how could the media take this issue seriously? And it did get some coverage. And eventually this campaign got a lot of coverage. Um, and that, that was really important. And eventually Dollarama actually boosted the pay of the workers. And that I think was a very important victory. Some theater, some of the protests. And here today is uh, Mamadou Konate. Um, this was another example of migration and immigration injustice. Uh, Mamadou, who you can speak to uh, here today, if you'd like, after the event, um, is a frontline worker who served as a janitor in a CHSLD, an old, old age care home, and actually continues to have precarious status. And so there's a huge mobilization around his case, also a West African asylum seeker. Marisa, who you see, uh, who we'll hear from, was involved in that. Um, and there was a bunch of efforts to try to uh, stop this deportation. And on a number of moments, Canada actually stopped the deportation, but the status issue has not been resolved, so it's ongoing. So in thinking about um, these issues of the uh, Ghanaian campaign, um, why we wanted to have this event today is to sort of think about how can we um, draw attention to the materials of a social movement struggle. So like photos, posters, and this is what we're trying to do with this archive, but also make sure that this archiving is in the present. And that's why in, in bringing together these materials, we wanted to have a panel where we would hear directly from people who were involved in this campaign. 
And because some of these uh, status struggles are not resolved, right? So instead of just sort of collecting materials and putting it in the library, we're wanting to collect these materials so people can learn from them and learn from these campaigns, but also in the process of bringing the materials together, creating public openings where people can learn directly and hear directly from people who've been involved in these struggles. So that's some of the ideas involved in this. And today actually is a very tangible opportunity and clear opportunity to support uh, one of the members of the non-status Ghanaian committee, uh, Lamine, who's here. Um, and right now it, there's a process to um, push through an application for humanitarian status for Lamine. And we actually have a collective letter, which Sophie will share a bit about in a moment, that we can all sign. So this is a very tangible way to support uh, this struggle and understand. So I, I just wanted to give a few brief remarks to sort of share where we're coming from. And, uh, and then we're gonna hear from uh, Sophie Tupin, uh, who uh, is one of the organizers of Ma Amandla Radio. Um, and then uh, we'll hear from Marisa from Amnesty International, which I think is a very important intervention because it contextualizes what's going on in Guinea and for us to understand the context of migration. It's not simply that, you know, uh, people are migrating without context, right? And so uh, uh, Marisa is going to share a bit of context about the campaigns that Amnesty has been doing around human rights in Guinea. And then we'll hear from Lamine and Mohammed. So um, I think it's important to acknowledge the efforts that everybody made to put this event together and also to be here and be present. So. Uh, we can give a round of applause for our speakers, and then we'll hear from Sophie.
so I'm here in my capacity um, of a collaborator to the radio show which is called uh, Amandla. And Amandla um, is, is a show uh, which happens, and this is a bit of publicity, uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, on CKUT 90.3 FM. And it's a show um, that is both in English and in French and that talks about current affairs uh, happening um, on the continent of Africa. So I have these little uh, pamphlets that uh, maybe, do you want to, <laughs> that we can circulate? So you know exactly when uh, the show is, uh, is happening. And if you're interested in tuning in, I encourage you um, to do so. Um, so Amandla um, means a power in Zulu. And then uh, the show Amandla was created in uh, 1987. And it was a show that was um, created by two individuals. And uh, those two individuals could not be here uh, today, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, one of them is uh, Gwen uh, Schulman. And uh, Gwen, at the time, was a, uh, a student at McGill University. And she was uh, studying history and doing her bachelor's. And at the same time, she was the uh, coordinator of uh, the anti-apartheid uh, group uh, at McGill University, organizing around, um, around anti-apartheid uh, issues in South Africa. As you know, um, South Africa in the 1980s was still under a brutal um, apartheid regime, so a white supremacist apartheid regime that had been in place since uh, 1948. And uh, groups all over the world were supporting uh, this uh, movement and this um, struggle for liberation. And in Canada, there were a lot of um, groups through, throughout uh, Canada, in Quebec, in Ontario, uh, in um, British Columbia, all over, who were really active in trying to um, advocate and lobby the Canadian government to stop uh, doing business with South Africa, uh, were organizing campaigns uh, against um, the buying of uh, certain um, South African products, whether it was oranges or other um, fruits. Um, and um, there were also Canadians who were uh, sent as operative uh, in South Africa uh, to uh, participate in clandestine operations. And so, uh, so Gwen Shulman, who is still um, one of uh, the co-hosts of Amandla, so she's been the co-host for 35 years now, which is quite impressive, really, really remarkable. Um, so was a student at the time. So, um, I mean, she's quite an inspiration to follow, uh, to have been involved from uh, her early 20s up to today. And uh, so this uh, brings me to talk about um, the, our friends uh, and our friend Lamine, who at uh, Amandla we have supported in many ways. So um, we have interviewed uh, Lamine and um, we have also broadcasted uh, some of the press conferences uh, that, were, that were done um, so that uh, the public could be informed about what was uh, happening. Um, and, um, 
And what is also important to say is that um, we uh, have, uh, I have here a uh, leather um, which um, is to support uh, Lamine uh, for his um, uh, application for a Canadian uh, permanent residency uh, on humanitarian and compassionate ground. And um, so we have a letter that we uh, will circulate and we'll ask you to sign. And these letters are extremely important because they are um, part of uh, the file that Lamine will then send to um, the immigration uh, IRCC, so Immigration um, Refugees Refugee Citizenship Canada. And, um, and so this, these, these letters of organizations and of individuals and of groups are essential because they show that the community care about uh, Lamine. So it's very important if you're an organization, if you're an individual and you want to support uh, Lamine and other friends, then we really encourage you strongly uh, to write uh, these letters. We can um, also provide some uh, templates. So if um, at the end of uh, this uh, panel, you're interested in writing an individual letter or even an institutional letter like Amandla has done for Lemon and for others, we really, really, um, I mean, I encourage you to come to me and then I can share a, a template uh, to write more letters. Um, and so I think this was a very brief, um, some brief words. Um, as Amandla is a co-sponsor of this event. And so I will uh, be circulating this, um, this, this letter, and so hopefully you can uh, sign it. And I thank you so much. Merci, uh, Sophie. Merci, uh, Stéphane, pour l'invitation. Je suis contente d'être là aujourd'hui. Uh, I can also do this bilingually. All the information I have in front of me is in French. Uh, are there folks here who understand English but not French? So, okay, okay, so maybe it would be, it would be wise to do that. I apologize for any awkwardness in terms of um, the translation. Uh, I am a campaigner with uh, Amnesty International Canada Francophone. Uh, so there's two organizations in Canada of Amnesty. This is the Francophone one. We're based here in Montreal. Um, I certainly am not the foremost expert on the situation of human rights in Guinea. I know that Mohamed and Lamine can speak a lot more to that. However, what I am here to do is to talk about uh, the research that Amnesty International has carried out on the ground in Guinea um, uh, to describe the human rights situation and the, the primary uh, concerns around the situation there. Uh, so I, I look forward to any gaps being filled. But um, what I can say is that, uh, so, so maybe I'll do a little bit of an overview of some of the issues that are the most uh, of the most concern for Amnesty as an organization um, and then get a little bit into, I guess, maybe the recent historical context. I think it's helpful uh, to have an idea of the way the political and human rights situation there has evolved over the over recent years as a mise en context, sort of to contextualize uh, the, the situation of uh, Guinean migrants, refugees, um, immigrants here in Montreal. Um, and so I guess uh, 
the the work of Amnesty has really focused a lot on um, the right to freedom of assembly and freedom of speech and uh, the excessive use of force by the security forces, which in spite of changes in power over the last, I guess, 25 years between um, uh, military juntas and democratically elected, elected leaders, uh, this has really remained a constant, just real uh, outright violent repression of uh, any opposition to government, uh, arbitrary detention, um, ill treatment and torture in detention, um, and uh, uh, terrible conditions in prison as well, and just a, an ongoing crisis of impunity. Um, and I would also say, I mean, actually, uh, this is something very relevant to, to uh, reasons why people might leave the country. Uh, another issue is uh, sexual violence against uh, girls and women. Um, and I mentioned that in the, there is a recent um, research report published by Amnesty International, and we will be uh, starting a campaign uh, in solidarity with the, the Amnesty International in Guinea on that issue. Uh, and we've also documented um, the human rights situation uh, for LGBTI uh, people in Guinea, which is also very difficult. Uh, so I guess an um, uh, overview of the political situation. Since its independence in 1958, uh, Guinea has, has undergone a succession of, of military or autocratic uh, regimes, governmental regimes, um, that have been uh, characterized by the use of intimidation and violence against opposition voices. Uh, between January and February of 2007, for example, I'll go through some key dates in the past 20 years, uh, 135 demonstrators were killed by the security forces during a general strike, uh, during which unions and the political op opposition were asking for the um, stepping down of the president at the time, Lansana Conte. In 2009, on the 20th of September, it's a very um, notorious uh, day, the military junta of the time that was led by Musa Dadis Kamara uh, was responsible for the repression of a, of a um, peaceful demonstration in an extremely bloody way. More than 150 people were killed and more than 100 women were victims of sexual violence at the hands of uh, security forces. Um, in 2010, uh, the the democratic transition um, that was that that under the the regime that undertook the democratic transition after the fall of uh, Musa Kamara, um, and which per, per, which allowed for the first democratic elections um, that were free and, and transparent, uh, again in 2010, and the arrival of the president um, Alpha Conte, who was in power until uh, Alpha Conde, who was in power until last year. Um, so, so sorry, that happened in 2010. Again, I'm translating from the from the French. Um, so, something that uh, is worth mentioning is that despite this democratic transition, um, the the issue of uh, repression of uh, opposition continued. Alpha Conde had been a political prisoner during the military junta, and when he came to power, he became responsible for imprisoning uh, any members, well, mem a lot of members of the opposition. Um, with impunity. Uh, since 2010, um, according to, to media and opposition reports, more than 200 people have been killed during demonstrations. 
uh, between 2019 and 2020, opposition uh, and civil society demonstrations um, opposing a referendum on a new constitution which would allow the president to have a third term uh, were marked by, again, repression, violence, and murder of uh, tens of opposition members and, and demonstrators by security forces. Um, and the, the arbitrary detention of many pro-democracy um, and uh, political opposition um, militant activists. Uh, according to Amnesty International, between October 2019 and July 2020, at least 15 pe 50 people were killed during demonstrations. So the, the right to freedom of assembly, simply um, speaking up uh, about the regime, talking about uh, democracy is a very dangerous activity in Guinea. Um, just two years ago, in September 2021, the president that I just, just mentioned, the first one elected by free and transparent elections, Alpha Conde, was overthrown by a coup d'etat that was uh, carried out by the, the special forces of the Guinean army, uh, who, who then put into place a transition regime. Um, and. A few months after taking power, they liberated, they freed uh, many opposition members who had been imprisoned by Alpha Conde. And soon after uh, freeing those prisoners, uh, they began to, they prohibited all demonstrations uh, and began violently repressing um, any sort of expression of criticism of, of their regime. And I guess I would mention that. <clears throat> Uh, there is a very targeted repression of uh, a civil society organization that is a coalition of unions and, and uh, organizations called the Front National pour la Défense de la Constitution, la FNDC, which I know is, is active. There's sort of an expat um, uh, mobilization of the FNDC in, uh, in Canada and the United States and France, I'm sure, and, and, and many other countries outside of Guinea. Uh, the repression against the FNDC has been very systematic. Um, on October, in October 2019, at least 60 members of the FNDC were uh, detained, were arrested, uh, and detained, um, and uh, convicted of, with sentences of up to a year in prison simply for uh, for having demonstrated peacefully. And there are many more uh, such examples. Um, Amnesty mobilized, and I'm sure other organizations as well, I'm giving the experience of my organization, uh, uh, in particular around the cases of uh, one of the um, uh, leaders of the FNDC who had been arrested uh, to really try and um, drum up international support to have them freed and also just to raise awareness about the situation in Guinea. So Omar Silla um, and also... Uh, I'm missing uh, Saiku uh, Barry. Uh, that's right, Ibrahim Adiallo, exactly, thank you. Um, who were also detained arbitrarily for having uh, demonstrated peacefully. And uh, in August 2022, the, the Guinean authorities decided to dissolve the FNDC. And so this is just another uh, uh, sort of chapter in the systematic repression of this um, civil society movement. Um, now, I guess, uh, maybe I'll, I mean, I think that, that the freedom, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, and also um, 
freedom of association are very much uh, repressed. So I think one of the reasons that the FNDC exists as a broad coalition is because uh, it's become more and more difficult to incorporate as an organization uh, civil rights, human rights groups, pro-democracy groups um, have a lot of difficulty being recognized by the government and are harassed systematically. Um, and uh, so those are, all that to say, those are some of the, the major issues. And um, also uh, sexual violence against girls and women in all sorts of ways. Um, maybe I, I will say this in French just to, just to get it out and then I can do a synopsis in English. Um, uh, a variety of different issues, including um, forced marriage, uh, uh, gender-based violence, um, and, and many other uh, gender, uh, many other um, uh, sexual violence are uh, systematic issues in Guinea, and uh, there is uh, a problem with access to justice and access to recourse in these in these cases. So in 2017, uh, there was a new uh, national policy uh, around gender that was adopted. And in 2019, a national strategy adopted um, uh, on equality and on female genital mutilation. Um, and uh, so there have been some, some, legal, some legal progress, but in terms of actually applying these new laws, there are a lot of gaps. Um, and so uh, all that to say the, the, the current campaign that Amnesty in Guinea and uh, Amnesty International are putting forward are really around awareness raising and trying to, um, trying to deal with taboos around, around sex and around sexual violence and to uh, create the conditions for uh, policy changes in policy and practice at the, at the institutional level. Just to add, um, uh, the rights of LGBTI people, uh, homosexuality and, and queerness are taboo subjects in uh, Ghanaian society, and uh, uh, sexual relations between people of the same sex are still criminalized. Uh, people are subject, people who contravene these, um, these laws are subject to uh, prison sentences and fines. Um, and so, uh, you know, th this is this is not a, a safe country to be in if you are um, a member of the LGBTI community. Maybe I'll. Um, I mean, in terms of policy and things like that, I I, I don't know that I need to get into it. I think that's just uh, an, o an an overview that I can offer for now, and then passer la parole à, à mes collègues ici uh, à la table de discussion. Merci. Hello everyone, um, as my colleague said, I am Mohamed Barry, I'm one of the co-founders of the Guinea United for starters. Um, I'm not uh, re repeating Mohamed and what Mohamed have said, so it's uh, been for six or seven years now since we launched the, the groups and we have a lot of benefits and we keep fighting. A lot of our members ha have been regularized now. Um, we had more than five and we, are, we, have more than, we have more than 30 members in the groups. 
with the support of um, the, the, uh, the CTI, IWC, the migrant workers, um, solidarity uh, across borders, and Soigno uh, La Justice Sociale, Médecins du Monde, and so on. So, um, a lot of people are, Guineans are here, they live here, they work in here. Um, they are bilingual, they don't have various languages, and they are well integrated, and they have built uh, a social life here, and they, some of them are studying, some of them are, are working, as uh, Mohamed Lamin said, but a lot of keep continue to live in a precarious status being exploited even uh, sexual harassment at the work different workplaces underpaid that's continuous everyone can be victim you know from immigration it's just the injustice here if you hear about canada outside the canada you, if you don't come here you say i miss a paradise yeah yeah i miss a paradise. but once you hear if you come here as a asylum seekers, it's a nightmare, really nightmare for a lot of people. A lot of people. Because there's they just see the the it's politics, you know. It doesn't cost anything to the government, federal government to regularize everyone. It doesn't cost instead it's it's cost that they have, they're gonna make a lot of money because every application is $550. Every application. You cannot know how much they're gonna earn in that. Just the, if they are willing to do so. In Guinea, as I said, I, I've been in Guinea um, in November, I was here there for, for three months. I just came back from Guinea. Since there, the independence of Guinea, we, we never had a good government. With all the politics is violent, autocrat, repression, impunity, shortage, and so on. Until now, it's 65 years since the country has the, its independence. Sometimes the Guineans are wondering why we had the independence because that's not independence because people maximum the most of the people they live in the poverty and it's the first country the first provider of bauxite in the world we have everything that a country is supposed to have and we have everything to live well but unfortunately our politicians they don't have their head on their shoulders. They don't see far. They don't see for the for the population. Only they see is their own interest. And they do whatever they can, killing, imprisoning, to stay to remain on power. Sekuture spent 26 years. He passed away on power. Lassana Conte, 70, 25 years. Alpha Conde, he was kicked out, or he wanted to die on power. 
that is same thing. That is who's uh, the, the the judgment that is going on in Guinea about the 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 kill that has been happened in 2019. What Marisa said. Officially, they said it's 150 because that was the that's Amnesty International on Red Cross have have seen. That doesn't represent the quarter of the, the people that were killed. It's more than 500 people. 1,500 people killed. They threw the some of other people in the ocean. They, somehow they, they buried them in one hole overnight. They just saw people, that's the people that can say, oh, it's, uh, they were killed or they, they fell or they had asphyxia, some things like that, or to, to hide the, the reality. I was there that day. Or it's not by, by, by because I am smart or because I am strong. It's only God who saved me that day. I was there until the end of everything and I, and I went out. I was not injured. <coughs> Guinea is the, as I was saying, still, I, when I was there, I was with uh, Amnesty International uh, Guinea. Uh, we listen to a lot of victims that who are raped or imprisoned. Especially, I visited um, the coordinator, the coordinator of uh, FNDC, the Front Nas National Front for the Defense of the Constitution, Ibrahim Jallo and Fonike Mange. Some of them are uh, sick. The government, the military, they refuse to evacuate them outside the Guinea. People are dying and then the, and the jail that was supposed to be for 300 people and there are more than 1,500 uh, 1, people. It's overpopulated and they have no right. When you bring the food and the guards gonna test eat the food first then they give the, the detainees and if you don't pay they don't give the your family if you have someone who is detained if you don't pay he won't receive food the food people are dying left and right every day they know <laughs> we come in here is not because we want to come we have a good reason to come here because it is not, our country is not a country that is a peaceful country. We never had a peaceful country. We're supposed to have the best country in Africa because we are one of the wealthiest country by its mining. Canada is the first uh, exploiter the mining mining Guinea as uh, like uh, Essence Lavalin, Semaphore and and uh, Rio Tinto. All those uh, companies are in Guinea. Most of the companies are from Guinea. So if you go to Sagni, you can see the bauxite from all the bauxite that uh, that is there is from Guinea. 
whatever you see and we, we have gold and stuff and we have everything but unfortunately we don't have um, a government the politics the governors they they just concerned the interest making money dining power and the the committee here as i said we have a lot of uh, recently the, the last two years we have more than seven people now in the group that have been regularized we have the few people that were uh, deported but when we knew they are, they have those uh, they are facing <coughs> deportation they were already in jail we tried our best to stop the deportation but unfortunately some of them have been deported but we're going to keep fighting we don't we don't stop as long as we have only one person with our status in Canada we will keep fighting and we invite everyone to participate to this uh, fight because everyone can be victim even you are you, you don't you are not concerned by the immigration you probably you Canadian or you were born here you might be married with someone who outside you will need to show him or her and it takes sometimes two to three years to sponsor someone to bring someone from outside to here. And sometimes you wait two years and you have to restart everything to zero because of one signature or missing or sometimes nothing is missing, they just sent it back and they have to start again after three years. No one is safe for that in the uh, injustice of the, the federal government. And the agents, the, the government employees, they don't care. Especially since the work, work from home is the start, it's something is the worst. Work permit now takes six months, one year people are waiting for their work permit. Usually, it takes three months maximum. Study permit we used to take uh, three weeks, it takes three months, six months before getting their, the permit. <coughs> for a simple visa, you can, it takes one year or six months. What are they doing there? They are, pay, they are paid to drink coffee, talk on the phone, chat, be on the social media. It's really, it's really hard, but what we can do is to fight. Together, we will win. We have nothing else to do except fighting. Thank you very much, sir, I'm doing it so long. Thank you for your time, thank you for coming, and thank you for supporting us. Thank you for having me.
Stéphane pour cet événement au nom de la communauté guinéenne. Mon nom est Mohamed Lamine Bari, communément appelé Lamine. Donc je viens de la Guinée-Conakry. Euh, comme euh, un collègue vient de le mentionner, la situation euh, des droits de l'homme en Guinée, c'est autre chose. Donc je ne vais pas revenir sur ce qu'elle a, elle a déjà dit. Euh, concernant euh, notre groupe, Groups Guinée-Unie, euh, pour un statut pour tous. Euh, cet événement ou cette organisation a eu un jour, je pense, euh, en 2017. Donc c'était euh, par rapport à un de nos amis qui, qui était en face de la déportation. Euh, on s'est réunis. Si moi je ne connaissais pas beaucoup Mohamed Lamita et Mohamed Bari. Donc à travers euh, Mustapha, 
On a pu faire quelque chose pour empêcher ces déport, euh, la déportation de notre ami qui est le nom de Maman Saïdou Diallo. Malheureusement, on n'a pas pu. Donc, euh, il, a été il a été déporté, malheureusement. Donc, on s'est réunis. On a dit plus jamais ça. On va essayer de se donner la main euh, pour former un bloc. Donc, euh, si on se donne la main, nous, la communauté euh, guinéenne, peut-être ça pourrait donner des résultats. Évidemment, ça a eu des résultats. Mais après des années de lutte, donc on a fait beaucoup de luttes, on a fait beaucoup des événements, on a rencontré pas mal de personnes, des personnalités au niveau de la ville de Montréal, des députés pour pouvoir intervenir auprès du gouvernement fédéral pour stopper la déportation vers la Guinée. On a eu des gains de cause d'une part, d'autre part, euh, ça n'a pas marché, mais on ne s'est pas décroisé. On a continué à faire la lutte. Donc, parmi, parmi les résultats que nous pouvons euh, euh, peut-être mentionner ici, c'est qu'on euh, a stoppé la déportation d'un de, de nos amis, de nom de Mamadouri, qui était en face de la déportation. À quelques jours, c'est le jour même, avec l'appui de nos, de, nos, de, nos, euh, de nos alliés, si je peux dire ainsi, euh, euh, CTI, Solidarité euh, sans frontières. Il a eu l'intervention du ministre de la Sécurité pour stopper la déportation de Mohamed Ouri à la date indiquée. Aujourd'hui, on peut être fier parce que Mohamed Ouri aujourd'hui a sa résidence permanente. Donc c'est grâce à notre force, à notre lutte, que ça donne. Merci. Euh, on a eu des cas, malheureusement. Euh, Moi-même, personnellement, j'ai été témoin. Euh, un de nos amis des noms d'Ibrahim Bari, que je rendais, euh, Ibrahim Diallo, que je rendais souvent euh, visite au centre de détention euh, de Laval. La situation qu'il nous expliquait, ou la façon dont il a été arrêté, on a trouvé qu'il y a de l'injustice dedans. Donc c'est tout ça que nous dénonçons à travers nos alliés de lutte pour euh, le statut pour tous, donc pour CTI et Solidarité sans frontières. Donc il nous expliquait comment il a été arrêté et comment on le traitait. Donc il a eu beaucoup de dates, beaucoup de dates de déportation. Avec l'appui, on a continué à lutter. Il a eu des reports, mais malheureusement, avec... on est tombé sur un mauvais avocat, malheureusement, euh, qui n'a pas pu faire le travail demandé. Il n'a pas été épargné, il a été déporté. Qu'est-ce que nous craignons pour la déportation C'est notre sécurité au pays euh, et le droit de l'homme. Donc une fois là-bas, il a été victime d'un accident et ça l'a mis beaucoup de mois en coma. Donc Ibrahim Diallo, il a suivi un accident. Je ne sais pas si c'est l'origine de l'accident, mais c'était un accident quand même criminel parce que ça l'a mis dans beaucoup, beaucoup de mois en coma. Donc il a même été évacué en Tunisie pour continuer ses soins. Donc ce n'est pas un pays qu'on aimerait vraiment retourner parce que la sécurité des gens ne euh, sont pas là. Euh, à part Ibrahim Diallo, on a eu d'autres cas aussi. D'autres cas, donc on peut citer le cas de, de notre frère ici, Mohamed Bari, euh, qui a acquis à travers des luttes, des luttes acharnées, des luttes vraiment, comme tu peux dire, acharnées, qu'on a eu gain de cause pour, que, pour avoir la résidence permanente. Aujourd'hui, il, il est résident permanent à travers notre lutte. Donc on a eu d'autres cas aussi, comme Kenyatta. Bah, qui elle vient d'avoir aussi la résidence, euh, l'acceptation de sa demande humanitaire, donc elle est résidente permanente. Tout ça, c'est l'historique de notre effort que nous faisons. Donc, cela ne va pas nous décroiser malgré il y a eu quelques, bon, pas quelques ratés, mais on n'a pas pu avoir des solutions à certains problèmes. 
à certains cas de nos amis, mais cela ne nous a pas empêchés et cela ne nous empêcherait pas de continuer de faire le lit pour ces données, pour dénoncer la situation euh, et l'injustice au niveau de l'immigration. Moi, j'expliquais ça de l'injustice. Pourquoi euh, il tend la main à d'autres personnes On n'est pas contre. On n'est pas contre que l'immigration tend la main à d'autres personnes. Mais d'oublier les gens qui sont là depuis des années, qui contribuent, qui travaillent, qui sont des bons citoyens, qui ont des bonnes relations ici, qui sont même fait des amis québécois et québécois et d'autres nationalités, pourquoi ne pas penser à leur régulariser au lieu d'aller chercher des ailleurs On sait partout où il y a le manque de main d'œuvre. Le gouvernement en parle, le gouvernement fédéral en parle, le gouvernement provincial en parle. Mais il y a la solution. Il y a la solution, mais ils ne veulent pas. Donc, on leur demande juste d'aider ces gens qui sont là des âmes, qui sont installés. Certains, ils ont fait beaucoup d'années, ils n'ont pas vu leur famille, leurs enfants. Pourquoi ne pas penser à eux pour leur régulariser, pour pouvoir permettre à ces gens-là de réunir, d'être avec leur famille. Malheureusement, malheureusement, l'injustice au niveau de l'immigration qu'on dénonce tous les jours. Le cas récent qui est passé au mois de décembre, passé, un de nos frères, un de nos amis qui est décédé sur la route, en route, au mois de décembre. Tout ça, c'est parce que l'immigration a fermé des yeux sur ces, ces cas-là. Donc, pour cela, on, on, nous luttons pour stopper, pour que, pour que tout, le monde, tout le monde ait droit à un statut légal au Canada. Peu importe sa race, peu importe ce qu'il a, son appartenance ethnique ou sociale. Donc l'essentiel pour nous, c'est que tout le gouvernement euh, fédéral pense à régulariser tout le monde. Comme le, ministre, le premier ministre Trudeau avait mentionné lors de son discours, il avait donné le mandat au ministre de l'Immigration de pouvoir voir comment régulariser les sans-papiers. Donc c'est tout ce que nous leur demandons. Et à travers moi, à travers moi je demande aussi d'apporter de, votre soutien à, à cette demande, à cette demande des milliers, des milliers de personnes partout au Canada qui sont dans la même situation, qui demandent une seule chose, la régularisation. La régularisation pour pouvoir rester ici, continuer à vivre, continuer à travailler ces personnes, ces bonnes personnes des Québécois et d'autres, ou des Québécois et d'autres euh, personnes qui sont là, qui ont tissé déjà des relations fraternelles, des relations familiales. Donc c'est même un cas, un cas au, au travail, là où je travaille, un gars de, qui, qui vient du Nigeria, il a été déporté l'année passée, il a une famille ici. Il a une famille ici, il a travaillé pour la compagnie plus de 4 ans. C'est une personne exemplaire au travail. Mais malheureusement, à cause de la loi de l'immigration, il a été déporté. Donc, vous voyez combien ça a fait la distance entre lui et sa femme, la séparation avec ses enfants, c'est douloureux, mais l'immigration, ce n'est pas leur problème. Peu importe la situation, la personne va quitter juste le parc. Canada, comme quelqu'un dans son bureau, il a décidé, non, lui, il ne va pas avoir la résidence. Donc, c'est ça, c'est le but de notre combat de tous les jours. Et cela, rien ne va nous empêcher de, de continuer ce combat. Rien, rien. Ça c'est sûr, rien ne va nous empêcher de continuer ce combat. On doit mener ce combat pour que la loi change, pour penser vraiment aux gens qui sont là pour les régulariser. Donc, euh, on a fait d'autres activités à travers euh, GOOPS, Guinée Unie pour le statut, comme je, je représente aujourd'hui moi, Mohamed Bari. Parmi nos activités, on nous venons en aide à des personnes qui sont dans des situations encore plus critiques que nous. Donc, dans les conseils, en leur donnant des appuis, des fois financières, des fois en les accompagnant 
au niveau de leur immigration, au niveau de leurs euh, avocats, ou bien à leur accompagnant dans le dans la processus de l'immigration. César, nous pouvons être encore fiers d'une famille que nous connaissons, que Mohamed Bari connaît déjà, une famille qui a été euh, là, il était au bord de la déportation à notre intervention, bon, à notre appui, je vais dire. Donc au niveau de leur dossier, ça a avancé et aujourd'hui, la famille, les deux membres de la famille qui n'est pas encore régularisée, mais nous continuons pour que cela, cela aussi soit régularisé. Donc, on fait des barbecues pour pouvoir tisser d'autres relations avec d'autres organismes comme le comité des Haïtiens et d'autres qu'on qu invite souvent pour assister à nos différentes activités de barbecue. Ça, c'est toujours avoir plus de réseaux. Plus de réseaux parce que nous partageons la même vision, le même combat, quoi D'arrêter les déportations et un statut pour tous. C'est ça le but de notre combat, ce n'est pas autre chose. Nous voulons que tout le monde soit régularisé, tout le monde ait droit au moins au statut, que beaucoup de milliers de sans-papiers demandent partout au Canada. Donc ce n'est pas trop long, c'est juste ça et je demande votre soutien personnellement euh, à, à, à ma demande humanitaire que je suis dans, dans la procédure, je n'ai pas encore finalisé, je pas encore finalisé, je suis dans la procédure pour euh, regrouper euh, des lettres, pour avoir des lettres d'appui, je demande euh, à la salle et à tout le monde ici de, de soutenir euh, ma demande humanitaire. Donc sans plus tarder, je vais euh, personnellement euh, remercier encore une fois euh, tout le monde de pouvoir laisser votre temps et de venir nous écouter. Euh, C'est quelque chose qui, qui, nous, qui nous a qui, qui nous va droit au cœur et nous vous remercions euh, pour cette attention à notre événement. Merci.